Well, hope your week is off to a great start, everyone. Thank you for spending this evening with us. DeMarco, my friend, how are you? I am good, my friend. How are you? Excellent. Doing quite well. Yes, sir. I'm the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, were you able to enjoy the open weekend? I was, yeah. So it's a lot more enjoyable when you come off of a win, and looking forward to getting back at it this week, though. You know, I should have changed that to excellent, JB. I finally saw the Patriots lose. So thank you, Coach. You have saved the world. Well, I don't know about all that, but uh, it was good to get the win. The guys came out ready to go. I was really proud of our team. Um, and now looking forward to seeing if we can uh, have another great week and see if we can get our 10th this week. You've talked a few times on this program and on other platforms about how you're used to having Thursday night football earlier in the calendar. Now that you uh, had two wins in five days of December, how might uh, this mini buy, these extra days, launch your stretch run? Well, I think it does give us a good opportunity to have some rest later on in the season that you're typically not otherwise going to get and can kind of keep practicing, which is a good thing because I think it is important for us to get better. But we'll see how we handle this week. thought the guys handled today really well and looking forward to getting back in the building on Wednesday for our first you know, true day of prep. I mean, look, if Thursday night football is great, you get the, the mini buy, so to speak. But I mean... If that was on Sunday, the way your guys played on both sides of the football, just physical. I mean, as a coach, you should be proud of your guys, period. But the way they went around and flew around and out-hit the Patriots, I mean, you might have given them Wednesday off anyway the way they played. Yeah, they did a great job. And, and I'll tell you what, DeMarco, we knew that the Patriots are a really physical football team. That's how they had really been winning and playing high-level ball the last month. And we knew it was going to take that kind of effort to be able to come away with the win, and the guys answered the bell in a big way. Sean, is this the most physical of your four teams in L.A.? I think it's safe to say. Um, I think I think through 14 – or through, yeah, whatever, however many games we've played, yeah, that's uh, through 13 games. It's exactly, uh, you know, what you would say, but it's all about how you finish and want to see that continue on into our 14th game this week. Yeah, how, how do you teach physical? I mean, is that something you look for when you acquire guys, or how do you teach – how do you convince guys to be that dang physical on game day? I think you're better equipped to answer that. How would you answer that, DeMarco? I you, mean, you were a physical defensive lineman. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the answer would be if I believed in you. If everything you told me was true and you stood on it and the, you treated everyone the same, of course I would run through that proverbial wall for you. And that's what I see. That's why I'm asking you that question. No, I, I love that. I think I think what you said, though, it does uh, – I think, I think it's that. I think it's also – identifying the right kind of guys and then, you know, being able to echo and articulate how we want to play, how we want to win these games. And uh, that's definitely been reflected. And I, I, I do think even going back to bringing Justin Lovett in, the, the weight program he's implemented, having our guys on both sides of the line of scrimmage lift together, push one another, um, you know, just watching the O-line and the D-line. I think, I think we're more physical on both fronts. And I think that goes back to, some of the little things we did in training camp, but it, it does come down to the way guys, the way that they're wired and, you know, how they bring it every single week. He's Sean McVay, and this is the Coach McVay Show, a week 15 edition. The New York Jets will be at SoFi Stadium to take on the 9-4 and Los Angeles Rams. Win to clinch a playoff spot for L.A. and give the Rams a chance to claim the division the following week in Seattle. You know, it feels like DeMarco and I must be drinking from the same water cooler because he's following my train of thought here. And, and Sean, there's things that all coaches want for their team to be successful. Talent, health, work ethic, character. But is there anything more valuable to a coach than a group that's bought in? Because what it felt like from level seven at SoFi on Thursday night was that offense and defense 
completely bought into their roles and responsibilities within the game plan. Did it feel that way at ground level too? Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a good way too of just talking about a connected team. These guys play for one another. Some of the favorite quotes I saw were what Michael Brocker said afterwards. And, you know, they enjoy and, and really love one another and, and want to play hard, want to battle together, want to support each other through some of the adversity that inevitably occurs, be supportive through the good moments. And I think especially in a year where, you know, you're talking about you really feel the absence of the fans, but what you also feel that I've really appreciated more than ever is uh, the power of a connected team, and I think that's reflected in the leadership that we do have by some of those veteran players. You know, I'm glad you brought up Brock. Uh, you know, I tried to explain what fired up meant. It's like the same emotion except no tears, you know? So I don't know what inspires me more about him. Watching him play, have a great performance, or watching him watch his teammates and be excited for his for his teammates. Both are, are, are inspiring. I agree. Both are inspiring. Um, you know, I tell him all the time, because of the leadership and the value he provides and the way he's able to connect with so many different people on our team. I'm sure glad that thing didn't work out in Baltimore for you. No doubt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, reading a lot over the weekend and just kind of taking a step back and to be a fan and to be a consumer for the first time in a while on the outside, Sean, there's clearly a belief that the Rams are contenders for more than just a playoff spot. I wonder if that belief is growing inside the facility as well, or if you can honestly say, that it was always the case even after some tough losses to Miami or San Francisco along the way? Yeah, I think there's always been uh, a belief in this team. I know I've felt that way. I believe the guys have consistently felt that way. But, you know, we've got to be able to put it together week in and week out. I've always loved the response from some of those adverse moments. I think the journey we've been on as a team has made us what we are at this point. And, you know, the goal and the focus and concentration for us is – uh, there's no better time to play your best ball than in the month of December when these games really matter. They become increasingly more important if you handle your business, and that's exactly where we're at, and, and you feel good about it knowing that you know our work is not done, that's for sure. No doubt, and it's on both uh, – you, you see how they play, it's inspiring, and then you hear the right comments like Cooper Cup talking about blocking. Versus, this is the receiver talking about blocking. Uh, that, that's inspirational stuff. Let me do this, if you will allow me, Coach. Let me say these names. So I'll stop calling them the Rams O-line. Joe Noteboom, <laughs> David Edwards, Austin Blythe, Austin Corbett, Rob Havenstein. Uh, the, the last month, uh, these guys, is it fair to say turned a corner or turned it up? But they're a different group than they were a month ago. I think they are. But I think if you said what's been one of the more consistent parts of our, you know, our offense in particular, I think it's been that group. You know, uh, we had a couple of games where we struggled to run it a little bit, but – at the same token, I would say they were protecting really well. Um, I've loved the maturity that's been displayed by a lot of young players that you mentioned, but also the leadership that's been provided by Rob Havenstein, by an Austin Blythe for those other three players that you mentioned. And, you know, Big Wit has been a big miss, but I also think the way he's poured into those guys is what's enabled Joe Nopum to be able to step in and, and perform at a pretty high level. I think it was Jake Laser reported uh, during your game on Thursday night that Andrew Whitworth actually had aspirations to be back on the grass this week. Uh, no can you way. confirm or deny that? What's the plan for him, and, and how close is he getting? Well, back on the grass is a pretty loose term for my man Glazer. Um, <laughs> yes, he, he'll be back on the grass doing rehab. That's what he means. Um, as, far as, as far as playing anything reflective of football, he is definitely on track, but, but that's uh, – even more motivation for us to handle our business and give them, give the big fella an opportunity to return in January because um, that, that, that on the grass would probably be reflective of some of his rehab programs. And 
if you've seen some of the videos he's posted, he is looking pretty good though. Yeah. Glaze is good, man. He got he got us to look. What? Wits coming back already? Wow. Well, that's uh, just it, it's an amazing. I'm sure he's going to heal fast. And um, no, he is. Yeah. I, all jokes aside, you know, I love Jay, uh, but but Andrew is making great progress. I mean, he realistically, you know, we got to talk about exactly what that looks like. But I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be out of the question to say that he could return and play in regular season games, whether we deem that the best plan of attack or not in a lot of instances will be predicated on, you know, what happens in the next game or so. Well, coach, you, you, you know, we love you. Um, but I, I got to tell you, be honest. I, I think I like the run it more than you throw it Rams. I just like that physicalness, I, that physicality. I like the way Cam uh, Akers is running the ball, a star making turn. Uh, is that a scary term for a rookie running back star making term? Uh, no, game? I, I th- no, I think, um, I think he's capable of handling it. I also think, he knows that the, the there's a lot of work that, that remains to be done, and he's got to continue to work hard and approach practice the way that he has. And in, the, in those instances, that practice preparation becomes game reality when you're doing what he's doing. And so he's going to be a, a really good player for a long time for us, but want to keep it rolling. And, and also, I do think it is important to still have Daryl and, and Malcolm involved because those guys have been key pieces of what we've done as well in the run game. Coming off a breakout performance, over 170 rushing yards. And I actually went back this morning and just flipped through all of his handoffs to see how, if I could check off like all the skill position players who served as lead blockers at the point of attack for Akers last Thursday night. And sure enough, Cup, Woods, Van, Reynolds, Gerald as a fullback, like you name it, you trusted just about everyone on your roster to lead the way, Sean. That's right. And that's, uh, that is a true reflection of the selflessness by this unit. I think that's what makes this group special. I think they've played really good ball the last couple weeks in terms of playing a game that's reflective of how do we feel like we match up best with the opponent to win the football game. And one game you saw, you know, a little bit of a balance, but, you know, we were heavy run until we kind of loosened them up a little bit in Arizona. And then the other night was let's come out and be able to ground and pound it and rely on defense to continue to, you know, make their stops. And, and then let's, uh, let's run this game out. And really, we kind of took that approach where we were a lot more conservative and with a minute and a half left in the third quarter, and guys did a great job handling it. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are – you're innovative. You're an innovative offensive mind. We know that. I think people are talking about that new deal you did when you brought the two receivers in motion and one kicked out. But, you know, you ask a lot of your receivers. It's, it's not that they have to be great receivers, great route runners – they have to be physical for what you're asking them. You're kicking out the end man on the line of scrimmage on defense. That guy is there for a reason because he's tough. You don't expect skill position guys to be that physical. That's that's a demanding spot for your offense. Yeah, the versatility of those guys is, is exactly what we're looking for. And when it's exactly epitomized and represented by Robert and by Cooper, then usually everybody kind of understands that's the standard. That's what we expect. And when you're guys that have been perennial thousand yard receivers scoring a bunch of touchdowns, making plays when they get the ball in their hands in any capacity, but they also compete that way without it. That's uh, that's what becomes the new norm. And uh, Eric Yarber does a great job of setting that tone for that room as well. Just getting started on this version of the Coach McVay show still to come. We'll check in on Jared Goff. What it, has it been like to go through that stretch of five days with two wins with the quarterback, plus Jalen Ramsey is stumping for Aaron Donald to win Defensive Player of the Year. All that and more with DeMarco Farr and Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long, and this is the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN.
All right, the Rams getting ready to welcome the Jets, and Los Angeles has its first streak of four straight winning seasons since 1983-86 to 86 under John Robinson, who happens to be the franchise leader with 75 career wins. We continue with the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long here tonight. And, Sean, I know your aspirations and your goals are forward-looking and are much bigger than nine wins, but I do just want to take a moment to congratulate you. This is a league that's designed to disrupt consistency and especially consistent success, and uh, the start of your career could not have gone any better with uh, four straight winning seasons. Way to go. No, I appreciate that. That's always a reflection of the you know the players and the, and the effort from the coaches and very appreciative of all those guys. But like you said, um, fortunate, but we, uh, we want to keep this thing rolling. We have some more things that we want to be able to check off that list. You know, that's one thing I'll never forget, Coach, is the day that Dick Vermeil, we got our ninth win, and he said, you guys are no longer a losing franchise. And it was a big deal because it took us a long way to get there. Hey, uh, tell me something. Jared Goff and his voice inflection. Uh, soft-spoken guy, but man, does he seem to pull guys off sides. Does a good job with it. You know, I think uh, that's been something that's it's been a weapon. We always talk about utilizing the cadence to our advantage offensively. And one of the advantages you do have is you decide within the framework of the 40 seconds or 25 second play clock out of a stoppage when that ball is going to be snapped. And he's done an excellent job along with his teammates of being able to utilize that as a weapon for us for the last handful of years. DeMarco and I were getting a little suspicious that someone else maybe on the defensive side of the mm. football might have been using their voice inflection when uh, a rash of false starts suddenly appeared in that second half. That is, uh, That was my understanding as well. I was very <laughs> upset about that. <laughs> That's it? We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what that is was a what, good way of getting my blood boiling. I'll promise you that much. What is the rule? The defense is allowed to say move or shift, but they're not allowed to emulate the cadence, right? I don't, you know, I don't. I know they can't simulate a snap count, right? And, uh, either way, we we we've uh, yeah, we, 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 that 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 was not uh, <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> You know, Sean, do, do you want to use tonight just as an opportunity to check in on on Jared Goff? You and I and DeMarco haven't spoken about your quarterback now in a couple of weeks just because of how the schedule has gone. Uh, my goodness, it looks different at this point in time than maybe it would have a couple of weeks ago. What was it like to go through that stretch of two wins in five days with him? You know, it was good. I mean, it's really you're going through it with the team. I thought the guys handled it really well. I was uh, I was pleased. I told the guys today, you know, I was really pleased with the way that the team handled after a disappointing setback against the Niners, the way they responded against the Cardinals, and then ultimately on a short week against a great opponent in the Patriots. So really pleased with those guys. I, I like the sneak. I like the airborne sneak by, by Jared Goff. Yeah, you know, that was good by him, wasn't it? That yeah. showed some tricks that you haven't seen from him. I said, I said, you, you, you went, you use your best breeze impersonation right there to go airborne <laughs> on fourth down. So that was a nice job. I thought that was a great way to be able to start off the momentum and, and to come away with that, and really the third down and th you know four play before was a nice tight window throw to Cooper. It was a great catch by him and gave us an opportunity to even go for it on fourth down. What's his work ethic like? Um, because those of us who don't get to peer inside the day-to-day -day at the facility, we don't really have a sense of, you know, Jared makes it look so easy, right? He's got this cool, calm demeanor. He, he doesn't necessarily strike us as someone who spends every waking hour in the film room. You're closer to it. Can you take us behind the curtain there a little bit? Yeah, I think he does a good job. He really, Kevin O'Connell would be better equipped to answer that question than me. Um, those guys, I know they work really hard at the preparation week in and week out. And, uh, you know, I think it showed in his play the last couple weeks. I mean, he he's not a guy that complains about numbers, right? Except for wins and losses. 
You'd have to ask him about that. Okay. Well, I just, I mean, just, I, I just can't believe some quarterbacks are really worry about <laughs> totally their numbers. Kidding. Good. Yeah. I no, mean, but I, you know what though? I know the number one thing these guys care about. We've talked about this with our team. They're they're a bunch of selfless guys. They care about winning. And I know Jared is the same way. Uh, but I don't think he was going to complain about throwing a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup on that drive that we ran it about 15 times. No doubt. <laughs> no, these guys are all about the right kind of stuff. That's what makes this team special and why I love them so much. What I thought was cool was the way you used uh, some tempo and trouble, uh, unfavorable down and distance. We're used to you kind of getting ahead of the chains and starting to lean on some defenses, but there was a moment or two where, you know, you used it to your advantage, I think, to lock in the personnel that you had defensively in, a, in an Ann Long situation. That was nice to see, too. It was. You know, the guys have done a good job of, of you know, really getting some timely third down conversions each of the last two weeks, JB. You know, the one to, to Gerald Everett the week before against Arizona was a big one that went for 22 on what I believe was like a third and 12. And then the one to Robert Woods was the same deal, um, you know, early on in that game. And that has been an advantage. But I think, you know, like anything else, the way that we look at tempo, it's it's kind of like a pitcher changing up his pitches. You don't want to always go fast. Uh, you want to make sure that you're mixing up the types of tempos that you can activate throughout the course of the game and, and try to keep the defense off balance. And exactly what you said was reflective of, you know, some of the advantages that we were able to take, you know, to utilize over the last couple of weeks with regards to tempo. You know, going back to Cam Akers, uh, I was telling JB earlier, um, he had some fantastic run and some well-blocked stuff. My favorite run was that second and one. I think it was his sixth carry where the defense had it boxed up, but he found a way to get outside and then turned it on and made a little move on the corner. I mean, that's special when a running back can do that, when they can make something out of nothing. He did that a lot, and, and he's got a great patience to his game. You know, I think he's a really creative runner, and, I, you know, I, I was – it was fun to watch him do his thing the other night, DeMarco. And there was a lot of carries that were reflective of, hey, man, you got a little bit more than what the play was blocked for. And that is such a big deal when you're thinking, okay, it's going to be second and eight. And next thing you know, it's a first down or it's second down and four. And I thought him being able to keep us in favorable down and distances the whole night was reflective of why we were able to be so productive through those first, you know, three and a half or, you know, really three quarters, if you will. Speaking of down and distance, fourth down has been pretty good to you the last couple of weeks. And even when it didn't work out at Arizona, the defense covered it up with three and outs on their side of the equation. It's been huge, JB. I'm glad you mentioned that because when you've got a defense that you're as confident in, that's going to get sudden change stops or, you know, even on the fourth down, going back to Arizona where it's fourth and one and, you know, they end up pinning them deep and then we end up scoring on the next drive because you get a short field. That's so big, and uh, it enables you to be a little bit more aggressive because of the confidence that you have in that group. And, man, they have just done such a great job for our football team, and I'm really proud of this defense, and, and it's really fun watching them go about their work throughout the week and then see it show up with the production on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays or whenever the heck we're playing. Dude, I, I, Coach, I look forward to that tape, watching this defense. It's a lot of fun. And I finally saw what you saw. You know, when you're watching the game, you're watching different elements. So on the Kenny Young pick, I didn't see who was out, who was actually leading him to the end zone. Man. That was fun, huh? I didn't know Aaron was that fast, but those two guys out in front, like you said, that's special. When you're – the best players in the world are leading somebody into the end zone and willing to be blockers. I thought that was huge. I did too. And and really, you know, especially when you just think about the, the caliber of athlete that Cam Newton is and seeing him bring guys down a handful of times and, you know, uh, both those guys restricted it and, and Jalen definitely sprung it for him uh, without a doubt. And Kenny 
Kenny showed some impressive juice as well. No doubt. And nice play by Eric to kind of get the thing going. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean, I'm not sure it was your best 40 time, though. I was cruising, man. Don't give me that. Right. I was, listen, I could have opened it up if I wanted to. But I know that uh, I got to give myself a chance to get loose. If I really tried to open my stride up, I probably would have pulled every muscle in my lower half. But that was about as excited and as fast as you'll see me go unless I'm trying to pop a timeout when we're close to getting a delay. Wait a minute. Were you running, Coach? I didn't see that. Let me check that video. It was a cool jog. <laughs> it was the coach's jog? Yeah. I'll be like splicing it. some rich, you know, like rich eyes with a 40 like I was actually trying to run. I was just calmly – mirroring Kenny down the sidelines. What does that do for you? Uh, just play call-wise, strategy-wise, when you get a defensive score. Wow. I mean, when you think about when that occurred, especially after the turnover that we had that uh, could have been really costly again when you're up 10 nothing, and then, uh, you know, you give them a short field for, for us to turn that into points in our favor and go up 17 to nothing. I thought that was the, the you know, really a, a huge part in the game in addition to that long third-quarter drive coming out of the half. Afterwards, on the broadcast, uh, Jalen interrupted a post-game interview with Aaron Donald to uh, give him, you know, a shot of confidence with respect to Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, did you see those comments? I'm sure they've c crossed your desk. And what do you make of uh, your two stars kind of shining in primetime like that? I, I did see that. And, you know, I, I think there's so many examples of what's right about our team. But you talk about teammates supporting one another. I don't think there's a doubt that both those two guys are first-team All-Pro players. And you can make a case, depending upon where they're coming from, that they're both legitimate defensive player of the year candidates. But, you know, the support that Jalen has for Aaron, and I know that Aaron has for Jalen, is is something that's special and you love to see as a coach. Yeah, Jalen, wow. I mean, Aaron, we uh, what haven't we said about Aaron? But, I mean, we're just seeing this up close, really, for the first time with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I don't know what's more impressive, the fact that he can erase you in the passing game or the fact that he is a dynamite run defender as well. He's a great football player. He's uh, one of the few that can play star coverage, but then also play the star position, blitz, play coverage. He's got great ball skills. He's tough. He's physical. There's nothing this guy can't do. Without revealing too much about the intention of the scheme, is there any context you can give us about David Long's usage in recent weeks and why he's been getting more and more opportunities? You know, I, I think it's a reflection of, you know, the power of the unit. And, and Auburn does such a great job, you know, really with all four corners that you see play meaningful snaps. But, um, you know, David is a guy that's a young player. I think he's still getting better and better. But uh, even, you know, you look at David Long and both Nick Scott have seen increased reps over the last handful of weeks. And, you know, that's such a reflection of, you know, those guys getting it done, but also great coaching by, by Aubrey and by E and the development of some younger guys that, when they're asked to, you know, they can step up and answer the bell in a big way and just gives us more versatility, more personnel groupings that we can activate. And I think that's been one of the winning edges for us defensively this year, without a doubt. Well, Coach, I'm watching the video of you running. Yeah, they, they ate up your cushion pretty fast there. Listen, I but you kept up. But you kept up, though. You it know? was a jog, man. You want to – hey, listen, you – I still got some stuff in me. All right, don't sleep on it. That was awesome. That's a hell of a play, man. Heck of a play. Heck of a play. You know, uh, one thing. I, I know we're, we haven't turned the page to the next opponent yet. I know that's later. But uh, instantly, after the game was over, when we started talking about the Jets, the first thing that came up was trap game. And for some reason, I said, I don't think you need to worry about trap games with him because he's going to preach to them that the Jets can beat anybody. 
Yeah, I don't think you need to worry about it because of our players. You know, I, I know our coaches and players are going to prepare to the best of our ability and, and try to go attack the opportunity to get our 10th win. But I think, um, you know, one of the things that's reflective of a consistent team is that consistency that shows up week in and week out. We've really challenged our guys to play our best ball in the month of December, especially after that Niners game. And I think the Arizona game and I think the Patriots game have been in alignment with what we had hoped. And now let's see if we can – string together our third win in a row and there's a lot of things that come with that and um and then you have conversations after that but you got to go get number 10 first we talk about being totally present being where our feet are planted and that's all that we're concerned with and i believe our guys feel that way also all right we'll dig into that matchup with the jets in the second half of the coach mcveigh show plus at the end why i think taylor swift might actually owe sean mcveigh some royalties i'll reveal that story a little bit later on Glad you're with us tonight on 710 ESPN. All right, glad you're with us on the Coach McFay Show. The Rams are enjoying the only time all season in which they play back-to-back games in Inglewood. We continue to Marco Farr and Sean McFay. I'm J.B. Long. Makes me wonder, Coach, does SoFi Stadium finally feel like home? It does. And, uh, and you know, we, we love it there. It's, uh, you know, it's been great to us with the exception of that one time that we didn't live up to what we expect. But hopefully continuing on uh, with the win streak this week. Someday, I, I, I can't wait until this whole virus thing and, you know, we, we get this thing under control oh. or, or gone and we get fans in that stadium. You're not kidding. It's going to be crazy, man. Absolutely. Uh, I just read this on Twitter. It says, Sean McVay summed it up. Uh, Aaron Donald is great. Yeah, that's about all you can say, right? Sometimes less is more, right, DeMarco? <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely special. And this one I like, too. When Cooper Cup is having a great day, it's a great day for the Rams. You, you can't sum that up any better. When he's balling, you're winning. There you go. That's exactly right. When our when our best players play good, uh, that's usually a good thing. A lot of those comments come in from uh, your media session earlier this afternoon and a few other tidbits that I want to relay to our audience as well. Uh, sounds like Taylor Rapp and Micah Kaiser are still uh, several days away and, and won't be available for the Jets game. That's the plan. You know, it doesn't look that way. Uh, it looks like, you know, we'll see what, what Terrell Lewis's status is as we move forward, but – uh, you know, I'll tell you what, you, you can't say enough about the health of our football team at this point in the year, especially all the different things that you've had to navigate. And it's such a credit to our players and also Reggie Scott and his group. Well, speaking of Micah yeah, Kaiser, talk to me about, oh, go ahead, JB. Do you have a question? Go ahead. No, no, all you. I was just going to say, talk to me about your inside linebacker and Troy Reader. I know we do this every single week, but my goodness. That it's guy awesome. was Excedrin number five headache on game day. He's he's done such a good job, and, and really so has Kenny when Micah's played. And I just think uh, really proud of that group. And what a great reflection of what a special coach Joe Barry is and how he develops guys. And, you know, you just look at the track record and the way that he's been able to put his arm around some special players each of the last couple of years and how their production shows up. And been very pleased with those guys. But Troy Reader has answered the bell every single time that his number's been called. And, you know, been been really proud of Troy and expected to continue this week. If there's scarce resources in the NFL, right? You can't have everything. It's not Alabama where you can just recruit the next five-star and, and load yeah. up your roster that way. And, and so you have to make hard decisions with respect to your personnel. And inside linebacker was one of those position groups this offseason, Sean, where you doubled down on what you had and trusted that Joe B. and, and collectively they would get it done. 
Yeah, and that's exactly uh, you know why he made us right on that gamble. Losing somebody like T. Howard in the preseason was something that sure. you know we were really concerned about. But again, you know those three have really you know knock on wood been been such steady providers and and really performers for us. And hopefully we'll get Micah back sooner than later because I think it's uh, you know we're going to need all hands on deck as we continue this thing. It just seems like like Michael Brocker's getting a rare double. I'm just. He deserves it. Fun, fun play. I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day, watching him grow into the player that he's become. It seems like you have a lot of players on defense that are good in certain things, and Brandon Staley's doing a great job of putting them where they need to be to make plays. He really is. You know, and Morgan Fox is another guy that I think's been an unsung hero on this defense that has provided such a steady presence and versatility up front. And, you know, Eric Henderson's done a great job. It's just, it's been such a fun thing to watch the success of this unit uh and and especially you know the coaches and players working in collaboration to to really do something special and i I love seeing it my interpretation of belichick pulling his starting quarterback was was more of a competitive decision not a surrendering on thursday night but i wonder looking back on it would you have maybe taken the opportunity to get john wolford his first taste if you could do it over again you know, it's a good question, JB. I didn't think about it in the moment, um, you know, especially because I thought that even though it was 24 to three, the approach was let's uh, let's make sure that we win this football game. And I think the respect that we have for them was let's keep this clock running. Let's see how efficient we can be. Um, it might not have been a bad idea in hindsight, but that I can honestly say that really until you asked that question, it wasn't something that I had thought about. If you get a chance to, I mean, wouldn't be nice to get the kids some run, but this is the pros. You get paid for numbers. Yeah, no, you do. And um, I I think, you know, I, that's why I say it's a good question. It's maybe something that uh, probably would have been worth thinking about. But because I did have such respect for those guys and you never really felt like, uh, you know, you were kind of pulling off, but you did want to be smart about getting out of that game. I, I didn't do that, but – that would have probably been something in hindsight that might have been a sound decision. And no, JB, you can't leave the booth and go coach. You've been right twice, but no. M- might as well. <laughs> no, no. I, I can't say I honestly thought about it Thursday night either. It was only watching the, the game back, and I genuinely feel like the move that the Patriots made had yeah. more to do with trying to make a comeback and, and putting the personnel in there that would give them the best opportunity to track that lead down. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, one other observation from around the league that uh, happened to dawn on me this weekend is the NFC is N- NFC East, I should say, is not as bad as everyone was making it out to be when you were buzzsawing through it. <laughs> I uh, I think this league is a lot more. You know, you guys both know as well as I do that uh, sometimes you throw the records out the door, which is why we're not worried about this being a trap game. It's too competitive. This league is built for parity. There's great coaches and players on every single team, and you got to bring it and show up. And uh, I think what we've seen from Washington or even the Giants before Arizona did a nice job against them. Um, those teams are, are very good. You look at the Eagles beating the Saints and the Cowboys having a nice performance against the Bengals. So every single week, it's uh, it's any given Sunday isn't just a cliche, is it? No, not at all. But I, like JB said, I mean, you've four consecutive winning seasons and you've never tasted the other side of it. And I'm, I hope you never do. But Striking that balance between letting your team enjoy the fact that they have nine wins, possibly ten, plus keeping the hammer down to try to make them better, which is your job as a coach, to try to get them to their potential. Has that been tougher moving into this year? I don't think so because, you know, there's it's so easy to, to just be totally present, stay focused on the moment. I think those are things that you can reflect back on and appreciate after the fact. But uh, our work isn't done. 
um, it's it, if, if anything, it continues to just keep you motivated and um, that much more excited about the next opportunity. And, and can you continue to play your best ball at the right times? I do think that the teams that usually always give themselves a chance are the ones that are peaking at the right moments. And that's what we're optimistic that we're on track to do. But we got to go do it this week. Speaking of motivation, do you ever hit a wall? In the course of a season, maybe on a late night on your game plan, something where you just you just don't have it and you have to fight through to get to where you want to be on Sundays? Every single day, JB. <laughs> you kidding me? I mean, listen, there were some moments of uh, – there were there, there, there were some uh, things that I was thinking on Tuesday night that I'd probably put of uh, – you know, I'd probably have a lot of people concerned about me if I really told them how I was feeling trying to get an entire game plan in in about uh, 24 hours. So – uh, yes, I, I'm sure as soon as we get off this call and I start uh, trying to get thoughts going for the game plan, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have one of those. But that's uh, that's kind of standard. you got to learn how to navigate through it and, and just keep pushing. I'm glad JB asked Demarco. that because I watch you, Coach, when you come out of the tunnel and <laughs> you put that, you know, your, your coaching thing on, when they strap that thing on, put the headset on, I wonder what's going through your mind. <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> I mean, the if hay's only, in the barn, right? You're you, out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. The hay is not in the barn. I mean, listen, the, the, the yes, it is. But if you aren't able to have some agility and adapt during the game, uh, this is too difficult. Ultimately, the players are the ones that make it come to life. But if you knew what my thoughts really were, you'd know how truly sick I am. <laughs> Well, Sean, to that point now, you've done it um, preparing for Bill Belichick's defense two different ways. You've had the maximum amount of preparation, really two weeks before the Super Bowl, and then the least amount of preparation on a short week late in the year. What did it feel like going through it a second time in a different way? Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, they, they, you know, there's every single year provides a new blueprint or a new opportunity to utilize your personnel and then, you know, decide on how you want to attack the opposing team. And so much of what occurs throughout the course of a game and really a season is, okay, as your, you know, identity comes to life or, you know, what you feel like is the best way to attack or to defend opposing teams, you've got to be able to, you know, have that agility. And I thought our guys did a great job of executing the game plan. And it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a stressful week, but, but it is all about the players at the end of the day. And I thought the other night was reflective of, you know, taking advantage of the skill sets of those guys and then they make it come to life. And that's why I've heard Coach Belichick say this, and I do think it's a, it's a great way of putting it. You know, players win games, coaches lose them. Amen. You know, interesting to go from Sunday to Thursday and be that physical. You know, so the next time somebody says a Sean McVay offense is finesse, I, I think I have the right to yell at them because I didn't see finesse. I saw physical. <laughs> On a I think I agree. And, you know, it's really, you know, the Rams offense, you know, those guys did a great job. And I think the fact that, you know, we've, we've shown some versatility, whether it be personnel grouping wise or the ability to run or throw it is, is exactly what you want. And, you know, I think the best offenses that we've been a part of here that I've been a part of throughout my career are ones that, that have the ability to make you pay in either phase, depending upon what they think the best way to attack the opposing team is that given night. Well, as for attacking the Jets, they're under new leadership on defense. We'll talk about that as we prepare for New York coming to SoFi Stadium in Week 15. Glad you're listening to the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. All right, final AFC game of 2020 for the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome back to the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Since we don't see the Jets very often, take us down memory lane a little bit. When I say New York Jets, who are some of the first people you think of historically, Coach? 
Well, how can you not say Joe Namath? You know, I mean, I think uh, you look at just, uh, you know, the, the history of it. But, uh, you know, as of late, I, you know, I'm a young guy. I, I think, uh, you know, you, you, you see these guys like Darnold come to mind. You look at the success that Jamal Adams had had there. But, you know, even uh, Le'Veon Bell, even though I know it was a short tenure, those are some of the guys that come to mind immediately. But I can also remember Lavernius Coles and Santana Moss doing their wow. thing. Vinny Testaverde, uh, Jumbo Elliott. I mean, there's uh, – we could we could we could go on and on if we wanted to. I would have said Mark Gastineau, but that's that's me. I'm on Mark that side Gastineau. of the wall. Of course, okay. The inventor of I the like sack it. dance. You know, I, I look down at the Jets and their and their stats and the names, and when I see Frank Gore, I still can't believe it. Frank Gore is the man. If you if you have any appreciation for this game and you don't love what this guy represents and epitomizes, then something is wrong with you. And you know, when you think about the pounding that that position takes especially when you look at the injury that he overcame going back to his career at Miami, Florida. This guy is unbelievable. I just want to shake his hand. Sean, he's 37. He'll be 38 this May. And he is still doing his thing. And the production, the run instincts, the toughness, this guy is uh, one of the things that's right about this game. And he is a true ambassador. And if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, then you know something's wrong. No doubt. Uh, what about Sam Darnold? What do you see out of him when you watch him play? Well, you know, when he's been available and he's when he's been healthy, he's a guy that's got a lot of ability. He's got, uh, you know, shoot. I mean, you can remember that long Thursday, that touchdown that he had on Thursday night earlier in the year against the Broncos. You know, I didn't know he had that kind of athleticism, but you know, I, he was fun to watch at SC. You know, we just haven't crossed over much with him just based on being a cross-conference opponent but when he's been right and when he's uh you know he's shown that he can really get into a rhythm and you see why he's merited a a high draft pick and and i think he's a lot better athlete than probably i realized until you see some of the things that he's able to do with his legs he's drowning a little bit right now in the new york media and all the talk about tanking for trevor etc etc not for this program but i i do think his struggles are reminiscent of what jared had to fight through a little bit in 2016 and my question for you out of that sean is if you could speak to how thin the margin is at this level between thriving and fit the quarterback position how would you detail that well i think it's the most difficult position in all of sports and i think that uh so many different things have to work in your favor, um, you know, being aligned where, you know, the things are being done that, that favor your skill set, being surrounded by good teammates, being put in a good situation, um, understanding how to have some patience through some of the inevitable adversities that that position entails. And it is a fine line and it's a very slim margin. And, and that's why I think in order to be successful at that position and anybody that really has been successful has found a way to be resilient and overcome some some adversity because it is inevitable no matter how great you are in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, Sam certainly strikes me as a resilient guy that, um, you know, remains, you know, confident, unfazed by some of that criticism. And shoot, anytime that you're in the spotlight, whether it be quarterback, whatever it is, you know, if you can't handle criticism, then it's probably not going to be, uh, you know, something that you're going to be able to thrive in. And, and, and I think he's, uh, he's definitely a guy that can handle it. And you've seen enough good things that, uh, that you believe that this certainly is a, is a minor setback uh, on the, you know, in the entirety of what his career will be when you look back on it. No doubt. October 1st uh, was that 46-yard touchdown from Sam, Sam Darnold. 46. Did you just Google it? Yeah, I just looked it up on the stat sheet, NFL Jesus. A, yeah, I mean, that's a heck of a run, man. That's pretty good. He broke good. some tackles, too. He surprised the Denver defense, I'm just telling you. Uh, JB, didn't we were watching something with Maurice? Didn't he knock a guy out? It was out only on 46 the goal line yards. Run? 46 was 40, yards. 
Only 46. That's pretty I'm good. I'm telling you, it felt like it was a longer run when I saw it earlier, but I, I remember just watching on the Thursday night game. Well, this is kind of a macro question, so shut it down if you have to. But if I'm on a team that's tanking for anybody, you might as well cut me. I'm trying to win each and every game for, for us. I'm not tanking from some kid in college. I can tell you this. I, I, I've been in this league for, you know, not not, not too long, but I've grown up around it. I, I, I just don't believe in that, man. If you're if you're in this league, you're a competitor. You're wired to compete every single week. And anybody that tells you otherwise, I just got to call BS, man, because I, I just I don't believe it. I know that, you know, there's some special players. But if that's if that's, a, you know, if that ever was something, then then that's where you would lose total respect for anybody when you think about what makes the NFL great. You referenced uh, on a couple occasions the competitive effort that they put forward against the Raiders a few weeks back. It cost their defensive coordinator, the Jets, uh, his job along the way. And so Frank Bush steps into the interim role. By no means new to the NFL, Sean, but a one-game sample at Seattle. How will you kind of approach your breakdown schematically of what to expect from the Jets defensively? Yeah, I think you have to look at, you know, what are the consistencies that showed up with regards to, you know, some of the things schematically that have shown up on tape, uh, you know, over the course of the season. And then and how much, you know, if there is a different approach, uh, is there under, you know, Coach Bush's, you know, guidance and leadership? But you still see a lot of the same things that they've been running with Coach Williams. Uh, but there is always a different element that, you know, uh, you know, depending upon who the play caller is, whether it be offensive or defensively, they'll always put their own flavor on it. And that is something that you have to be mindful of. But with such a small sample size, think you want to be careful driving yourself crazy with it as well the thing i saw i mean new england seemed more physical and the jets seem more athletic and faster is that a fair assessment of their defense yeah in terms of are you saying just, comparing the patriots defense yeah, to the just jets the style that you're getting ready for it just seems like this group is they're more athletic and they play faster than what you just saw versus new england you know, I wouldn't say, you know, it's it's hard to truly say. I, I, I would, and, and, you know, as well, you know, kind of just from our conversations, really tonight represents when I truly start diving into the opponent. You know, I've kind of blinked the tape, but to really be able to give you a, a fair evaluation and, and, a, and a true comp between them and the Patriots, I think stylistically, you know, they're a little bit, you know, I mean, you know, the Patriots play some different personnel groupings, but, you know, they're certainly pretty fast when they activate some of their different, you know, known passing situations, personnel groupings. And, and I think the Jets are reflective of, uh, you know, some similar things. But they are playing a lot more nickel defense to a variety of personnel groupings as opposed to some of the ways that you saw the Patriots match us. All right, last thing from me, and I promised uh, a Taylor Swift connection. Did you have a chance to listen to her new album, which dropped last week, Sean? <laughs> I have not had a chance to do that. <laughs> okay, well, I did notice there was a, a, a song called Champagne Problems, and it made me think of you because I hope that you were wise enough oh. to trademark that saying, Champagne Problems, before she can monetize it so hey, she can get some royalties. You know what? I, I have said that before. I think Tim McVeigh is the one that would have to get some royalties for it, and you know he probably has that trademarked. I'll, I'll have to ask him about it. <laughs> you get all your shopping done yet? DeMarco, We're did you close. What's that? Taylor Swift? Of course, I have two girls. Every other day is Taylor Swift day at my house. There you go. See? Hey, that's a good dad right there. No doubt. I am a girl dad. No doubt. Uh, did you get all your shopping done? Are you close? <laughs> Not even close. Uh, you know, you really it was just stressing me out right now. <laughs> 
Come on. Click, click, yeah. done. Come what, on. what did you do this weekend? You, you didn't shop? You didn't work ahead on the Jets? Had some wine and watched some ball. God bless you. You deserve it. Yes, sir. So you really did stay. You really did stay on red zone. Then you didn't zoom in on Seattle and and New York. Your next two opponents. I was bouncing around quite a bit. You know, some of it was red zone. Some of it was each individual game. I got the uh, NFL ticket, so it was uh, nice. It was a lot of scrolling around. <laughs> Well, thank you, as always, for yes, uh, your context, your perspective, and a few good laughs here on this Monday night. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck again in Week 15 at SoFi Stadium against the New York Jets. Yeah, you know what? As if I've got to spend an hour talking about stuff when I'm ready to get on to the next opponent, I wouldn't rather do it with any two guys other than you two. My man. Yes, sir, Coach. Congrats, man. Good luck. Okay, thanks, All guys. Right. All right, DeMarco, JB, will be back on Thursday for Rams All Access with Maurice Jones Drew. Until then, have a great rest of your week 15. We'll talk to you Thursday. This has been the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN.